everybody. Welcome back to the All Things Reconsidered podcast. I am Brandon, and as always, joining me is Joey. What's up, guys? And uh, today, he's the star of the show. I don't like that at all. But <laughs> the star of the show. Well, last week we did Brandon's story, and uh, I really enjoyed it. And uh, I, I've learned a lot from, from it about you, and it was fun. And this, yeah. this week we're doing my story. All Things Joey. Yeah. So, you cool know stuff. what? It's going to be a fun time. We're gonna, so. we're gonna get intimate oh, all right. into the things of Joey. Let's go. And so grab yourself a little a little blankie, <laughs> snuggle in, mm-hmm. get yourself a mug yeah. of something. Something good. It doesn't even have to be hot. It could be a cold beverage. But yeah. just make sure it's a mug that you can hold like like this. Yeah. Like the little like the lump. <laughs> whatever, sip, sip. whatever works, you know. And for uh, some ATR and chill. Yeah. Yeah, and get ready to learn about Joey today. Yeah, and for for all of our five viewers who haven't turned off, just based off of that, <laughs> for those of you who do want to hear, it's going to be a good story. <laughs> so, um, a quick TLDR, um, Joey and I, if you haven't heard it, you know, in the first 18 podcasts now. Yeah, or whatever number we're on now. Yep. Uh, me and Joey met in Bible college. Yes. And quickly became friends. Mm-hmm. But uh, that doesn't mean I know everything about Joey. Yeah, he don't know anything. So we're going to do a deep dive. I mean, last week, Joey learned things about me that I didn't know. Yeah. I just think that it's important to share stories like this um, because in, a lot of times when people are deconstructing, it, it can feel lonely. You sure, feel like yeah. you're the only one who has these doubts. You're the only one who has these questions. And it's even hard to talk to some people about your childhood because a lot of us, if you're raised charismatic or evangelical, right. your childhood was sometimes um, very... Um, what's the word? Exclusive, I guess you could say. Yeah, you okay. were pulled out of... Isolated, almost. Isolated. That's the better word for it. Yeah, where you weren't able to really share in like cultural moments and things that right. everyone else was a part of. And um, like I read and watched Harry Potter as it was coming out. Right, and I couldn't do that. And like if I try to relate with someone who wasn't raised evangelical and I was like, oh yeah, I was brought up on this book or, or this show, you know, a lot of times it's just not going to Which is pretty much connect. the gap that you and I find ourselves in. Yes. Where I'm like, oh, I read Harry Potter. You're like, I read... I had Bible Man comic books. Yeah, <laughs> there were okay. So listen, I know that we've talked about Bible Man a good bit on yeah, the show. Yeah, I'm just now learning that there were Bible Man comics. Oh, there is, is that Bible a Man thing? everything. Yeah, there's there's stuff for all that. I mean, oh no, I did have normal comics too. I was really into Batman comics, but you know, they allowed you to have Batman comics, but you couldn't read Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's interesting. Um, the things that you're allowed to have and you're not allowed to have right. when you're raised charismatic. Um, you know, I really think that um, our parents are just do the best that they can, and there's some things that, um, you know, they were told by people that they trusted sure. to watch out for, you know. Um, and that's something I should state right off the bat, actually, is that when I get into the details of, like, my childhood or the way that I was raised and then why I stopped believing that way and changed, um, I, I know for a lot of people it's easy to get into cynicism yeah, sure. about the way that they were raised. Uh-huh. Um, it, it's easy to look back on your time at youth group and just cringe and get cynical and angry right. about the things you right. were taught that hurt you. Or even look back in your childhood, even if it's something little like, I wasn't allowed to watch Pokemon. You know, I've seen some people online who are just... Super offended about super that. Super offended. Even even to a point, I know for Pokemon, it's like, that's it. But if you extend that to everything in life, some people have even told me in comments that they feel like their childhood was taken from them. Mm-hmm. And they didn't mm-hmm. get to have a real childhood because they were just focused on, you know, getting their friends saved. Right. And so it's really easy to fall into cynicism towards, like, your parents or your upbringing. Sure. But I just want to state right off the bat that unless you were the victim of, like, real physical abuse or, or verbal abuse, if, if you were just like me, who you, you just had Christian parents who didn't let you 
do what you wanted to do. Certain things. Know that they had your best interest, and that oh yeah, one hundred percent. They were being led by people that they trusted, who told them to watch out for those things like Pokemon. Right. And it's not like um, you know. it's not like they set out to ruin your childhood. Yeah, exactly. And and honestly, there's so much of my childhood that I, I love. Like, I had a wonderful childhood, all things considered. <laughs> I had a good childhood. Um, so it, it's not as if I'm, uh, you know, cynical or upset with any of that. It's just I happen to believe differently sure. uh, than now, now that I do then, and that's okay. Well, everybody, I think this is a good launching off point to uh, to talk all things Joey. Yeah, let's go. What do you so, um, first off... Joey, mm-hmm. as a child, mm-hmm. when did you first start going to church? Like, were you one of those, like, born on the pew kind of kids, or? Yes, um, basically, although um, I don't think we ever went to ch- church with pews. I think it was always the more non-denominational ch- uh, Ooh, sort of seats. seats yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, but no, I, I was raised in church. Yeah, absolutely. I um, uh, Some of my earliest memories are from church. Um, I, I know we went to Assemblies of God for a while, Church of God for a while. Um, and so throughout the 90s and early 2000s, mm-hmm. like church culture, if you just anything that you have heard of or know about of church culture from the 90s and 2000s, I, it I was, applies to you. It applies to me. I was in all of that. Um, everything from vacation Bible school to Royal Rangers. You know what that is? Nope. No idea. Okay. I'm assuming that's like the Boy Scouts, but Christian version. Yeah. So the girls had the missionettes and the boys, <laughs> and, and the boys had Royal Rangers. And uh, and you get like a sash with like, you know, pins yeah. on it. And okay. Now, so... The Boy Scouts. I wasn't in the Boy Scouts, but, you know, mm-hmm. I've seen movies. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, like the badge for, like, you know, walking the old lady across the road. Yeah, and like, yeah. you know, the camping badge and, like, the knot tying badge. For sure. What were some badges associated with the Royal Rangers? Um, I got a lot on Bible trivia. Oh. Yeah, Bible trivia. Oh, in fact, not only was I doing Bible trivia for um, the Royal Rangers, but I was also part of a group called um, the... Uh, Oh, let me think about this for a second. What was it called? Oh, well, I was part of a trivia group, and we, <laughs> <laughs> and we, uh, we had uh, we had to study for for I mean hours and hours on end with these huge packets full of Bible questions. I was learning innate details. I was learning the the, the trivial knowledge of books of the Bible that I never actually read. That's incredible. Like I had never read the book of Daniel, but I could tell you all about the details of what he dreamt because now, I, I was ready for those questions. I'm kind of assuming this wasn't a go to the sports pub downtown for trivia night kind no, of thing. No, no. This was the kind of thing that they host up in the chapel area of your church. Oh. They, they bring in, it's like a regional event. and they What? Oh yeah, other churches would compete and my team, oh my my God, my team. No way. We, we had matching fingerless leather gloves. <laughs> <laughs> and so with like a red strip <laughs> across them. <laughs> and we had these. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the bad boys of Bible trivia. Yeah, it was. We were awesome. Joe uh, just rolling up just. Yeah, it's funny. I actually was the team liability, though. Like, I was not as good as other people on the team. Wow. Yeah, it was... um, That's a pretty strong team if you were the liability. Yeah, well, it was before my formal training. Oh, okay, I gotcha, I gotcha. Yeah, Yeah, the formal training that we still do not have. Right. (laughs) I'm still before my formal training. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. But yeah, so I was was the Bible nerd for sure. Well, that's that's very enlightening. Okay, Mm -hmm. so... What age is this at? You're doing Bible trivia. Now, okay, so here's my question. Sure, all right, sure. here's, here's a question. 
You have Bible trivia teams. Mm-hmm. Were there ever Bible debate teams? I, I feel like that'd been that would cool. Not that I know of, because here's the thing. In, in fundamentalist Christianity, there is no room allowed for debating. That's fair. There is no room allowed for questioning. You know that That's why we get into deconstructing our faith, is because we start to have questions that the simple copy and paste fundamentalist response just don't satisfy anymore. Sure, sure. And uh, But in, in evangelical Christianity, man, you basically get welcomed into the church, and you're told... You know, welcome to Christianity. We've figured everything out already. Right. So don't qu- ask questions. Don't think about this too hard. There is no debate. There's no. We already got all the answers for you. Um, so just toe the line. Now, so when would you say that you got saved, as you know, it's mm-hmm. commonly referred to? Well, you know, I was so, like, full of myself uh-huh. that I basically n- never thought of myself as ever not being saved. I always... Oh, fair. I, I was, like... so. A part of evangelical church when you're growing up is the constant reminder that you are like a special group of people. Sure. You are better than other people. You know, I, I talk to people who are raised in more Calvinist backgrounds or mm-hmm. even Baptists at times, and they talk about being raised believing that they're like pure trash, like being raised. Oh, yeah, yeah. Total that, depravity. Exactly. Like, I am nothing apart from God, yeah. and I do not deserve anything but the pure judgment and hellfire. Right, of right. And that's horrible. God. I can honestly say that I did not have that upbringing, sure. which is wonderful. But what I had on instead was basically the opposite. We are part of a special group. We're, we're just simply better than everyone else right everyone else is going to hell and they're just we're just going to get to have our day of victory you know yeah, rock and roll you know that that we we were right all along we're going to get to soak in that um so i basically had this mentality my entire childhood that like out of my friends who weren't at church like i was the hero trying to save them right right um which made me a lot of fun to be around I'm sure. oh i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> now i want to clarify something whenever me so me and joey kind of have this weird thing about saying you know getting saved yeah um yeah. now and the reason being is it's not that we don't believe that salvation isn't real, mm-hmm. but most fundamentalist and Amer- American evangelical very much push the Roman road to salvation yeah. thing as mm-hmm. the only way to get saved. Right. So whenever I say, you know, whenever I ask Joey the question, when did you get what we call saved? Yeah. It's... It's not asking, did Jesus pay for your salvation? It's asking, right. when did you recite the Romans road to salvation, right. which has nothing to do with what we now call being what saved. we now call being saved. Yeah. And I can say that, like, uh, although I don't remember that specific time because I was just always a Christian, always like, getting never, saved. there was never a time in my life where I did not consider myself a Christian. Right. Like, from my earliest memories, I knew that's what I was sure. because that, that's what I was raised in. I can say that I remember the experience of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Which, like I said, I was raised charismatic. So anybody listening who, you know, if you weren't raised in charismatic backgrounds, that's where you uh, basically someone lays hands on you. Right. You fall back onto the ground. You uh, start speaking in tongues and you believe that the Holy Spirit's now residing in you. Which actually isn't always the case. That was not my experience mm-hmm. with the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Well, surprisingly enough. you know, I, I think that my, to the time around that I was first um, filled with the Holy Spirit was um, right around the time of the Brownsville revival. So it was, yeah, it was very much um, in that same vibe, that same feeling. So sure. it was all about falling out and speaking in tongues. Right. Um, my church was charismatic. I mean, that happened, mm-hmm. but they never once made it seem like this is the only way that it happens, which I appreciate. But anyway, growing up for me, mm-hmm. you know, holidays yeah. were always super fun. Mm-hmm. We had the Easter Bunny. Did you guys have the Easter Bunny as a yeah. Christian growing up, or were they like resurrection baskets? Oh, <laughs> yeah. So we did. Uh, we we knew about the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus, okay. uh, but we were never raised to believe in them. 
because uh, the the parenting style of, of kind of the, the church that we were part of was more so of the mind that Santa would make us not believe in Jesus. Basically, if you tell your kid, I know it's stupid, but if you tell your kid that there's a Santa Claus and there's an Easter bunny and there's a tooth fairy, uh-huh. and then one day you eventually have to tell them that they are not real and they were just a childhood thing. Then they'll assume Jesus they'll, also they'll isn't think real. Jesus also isn't real. And you don't want your children ever questioning anything about Jesus. You know, because you're not equipping them for that. That's probably the smartest argument I've ever heard against like the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus and whatnot. <laughs> like, I mean, I think if we really preach Jesus and who he was and the message that he was, you can make a clear distinction between, you know, Jesus coming and dying for the sins of humanity mm-hmm. and a fat man in a red suit flying around the entire earth in a night to right. deliver presence. Right. But the fact but. that they're the fact that they're afraid that the two will, you know, cancel each other out. Right. It's like how much like Santa Claus is your version of Jesus? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. But the kids, you know, we weren't really raised to, you know, ask these kind of questions about God or to admit that we're doubting things. Sure. It was, so any amount of, you know, well, this might lead to them questioning. Of course, you know, that's going to be cut out. Right. So I knew of the characters. They were just like thought of as like cartoon characters. I you gotcha. Know. Now, um, the big one, mm-hmm. my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Well, my second favorite besides Christmas. Okay. Because I loved Christmas. Halloween? Oh, Halloween. Yeah, so Halloween was fun um, for a lot of reasons. So when I was really young, uh, it was right in the middle or and towards the end of the satanic panic. Oh, perfect. So anything Halloween is, of course, thrown out. Immediately I mean, satanic. Yeah, I mean, we, we couldn't participate in any of that. I remember, like, staying in on Halloween. And oh, that assuming, sucks. Assuming that, like, roaming gangs of witches and warlocks were outside of our door. Like, thinking Like, that, straight up my... Michael Jackson thriller yeah. was real life. Yeah, like we literally thought that Halloween was a time where if you step outside, you might get like cursed by some sort of actual witch. Sure, you know sure, sure, sure. who like hates Christians. And I mean, it, it was it was weird. We would bring our pets inside, thinking that they're going to get like sacrificed if they throw outside. Yeah, no, I'm not joking. So, it, it, look, the Satanic Panic was a weird time. Um, and then as you get older, I started going to church things on Halloween. We had trunk or treat. You know what that is? Yes. Real quick, here's the funny thing about the satanic panic. Okay. Is I'm now picturing, like, six-year-old Brandon mm-hmm. walking around his neighborhood mm-hmm. in his Buzz Lightyear <laughs> costume. <laughs> yeah. And, like, Joey running outside and be like, leave my dog alone! Yeah. <laughs> Grabbing your dog, running inside, and just being like, you're not going to sacrifice Lucy! Yeah, basically. I mean, we, we were pretty terrified of people. Now, did your parents, like turn off the light so nobody like ding dong your bell. Oh yeah, yeah. No no one no one came to our house, of course not. And like even when we were a part of church things, like if you've ever there's a King of the Hill episode where um Luann and and Bobby go to a a Christian hallelujah house. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that is the perfect picture of my upbringing. Oh, so nice. we would go, we our churches would put on Christian events like trunk or treat for the kids yeah. where instead of, you know, walk around your neighborhood, you would rock walk around your church parking lot and other churchgoers would come up with cars with candy in the trunk, and you would go car to car getting candy out of their trunks. Which has always mm-hmm. been ironic to me. Because oh, we're like, yeah. don't accept candy out of strangers' vehicles. Yeah, I know. But it, it's like it, it's like the church was committed to offering an alternative to anything the world does, as if that was our mission. But a worse and, version of but it. But a worse version of it. Because trunk or treat is not as cool as trick or treat. No, it's like, not. I remember so, growing up, 
you know, Halloween, me and my, you know, hooligan group of friends mm-hmm. running around terrorizing our neighborhood looking for candy. Now, we didn't yeah. egg houses or toilet paper or whatever, but, like, yeah. I mean, we were just running in traffic. Yeah. And, like, we would go, like, you know, to the neighborhood over because they had money and get, like, the full-size candy bars. Mm-hmm. And that was fun. Yeah. Walking we, around a parking lot is not as much fun as that. Yeah. Well, it, it, it definitely is also... Uh, better i think at least than what we'd end up doing as teenagers which was hell houses oh yeah okay, yeah um, I, I participated in hell houses both as a, a volunteer actor in them and also just someone going through them oh they're messed up man um and i would love to find one in the area just to go through it sure. now as an adult but Dude, we need to do that but we I, I i played i've played demons and and whatnot um it, it's really interesting basically the thought is if we can get teenagers in here and scare them about death as much as possible, and we'll crank up the heat, and we'll we'll make it as as hot as possible in here, and we'll all dress in in you know scary costumes. That'll get them saved. Yeah, and it's just the dumbest idea. It, it doesn't it doesn't work. The fear of the Lord leads men to <laughs> right, right. Uh, so easy. So Halloween was not a night of candy and costumes. It was a night of you know thinking about hell and thinking that witches are outside going to get us. The irony that Halloween for you is more about demons mm-hmm. than it was for me. Yeah. How weird kind of is funny. that? Yeah. It, it's it's more about demons for the Christian kid. Yeah. Absolutely. For, Anyways. So. Yeah. With something like Halloween. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Demons. A lot. Of the hell houses. Mm-hmm. Instilling fear into people. Yeah. Um, you being raised in an evangelical fundamentalist church, mm-hmm. I'd imagine the rapture was a hot topic <laughs> yes. for you growing up. Yeah. How did you... So, again, I wasn't raised in church, so I didn't yeah. learn about the rapture till I was a teenager. Sure. How did being a child, mm-hmm. knowing about the rapture, influence your psyche? You know, in many ways that I'm still unpacking, to be honest, mm. and I'm not trying to be overly dramatic about it, but sure. the rapture is a messed up thing to tell kids about sure. for a lot of reasons. Um, for some, you know, and, and I'm processing all these things at once as a kid. Right. At one moment, I'm terrified at the idea of the rapture. Right. And uh, I'm, I'm, you know, having a hard time sleeping at night thinking about it. And you, you get home from school or from wherever you were and find, you know, that you can't find your parents. Parents, maybe they stepped out for a minute. Maybe they're in the backyard. Right. And you having a, a mini panic attack. Yeah, absolutely. Thinking that the rapture happened and you were just left behind. Um, it, it's a terrifying idea. And then at the same time, as I at other times in my life, I wasn't so much scared about me being left behind as much as I was scared for my friends. Sure, yeah. So that plays into the savior complex even more. I have to get my friends saved or else they're going to be left behind and it'll be my fault. Right. And keep in mind, we're talking about like the, the thoughts of like a 10 and 11 year old. I mean... It's, you're not old enough yet to process no. some of that that kind of fear and 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 that's just too much pressure to put on a child. The Great Commission was not a commission given to children. No, but in evangelical churches, we hand it out to them, you know, like candy. We we right. think every child needs to be equipped for some sort of war. Right. I mean, we were so you know, obsessed with this idea of the rapture that I remember at one time, and I said this once on our TikTok, but once there was always people talking about blood moons. 
mm-hmm. and saying that blood moons were somehow linked to the God's cosmic prophetic right, calendar right, right. events. Somehow, I don't know why, I was really little, and somehow blood moon just in my mind turned into full moon. And, and <laughs> oh so, God. I, so once a month, you're like, the rapture is about yeah, to happen. I don't know how I don't know how it happened, but like I thought that full moon was what they were talking about, not blood. And so if I saw that the moon was full, I was like, this is it. This is the night. I mean, I, I was... You know, Joey, that made it, that may explain a lot. Okay, yeah. so you know, there's that common like joke that you know the full moon's out, people act crazy. Yeah, do you think it's because some people mm-hmm. still haven't realized the difference <laughs> between a full moon and a blood moon, and so all those crazy people are just worried that they're about to get raptured, and Maybe so they're just so. acting a fool. I, I know I was, but we were we were terrified of it, and honestly, it, the rapture was another key factor in making us feel separated from the rest of the world. Sure, because you're going to literally be separated. Yeah, and, and we knew of the secret that if everyone else knew about it, they would call us crazy. Right. But we knew the secret truth. And it was like the kind of thing that you even don't tell people right away when they're first hearing about God. Because like, you want to see if they're real about it. Yeah. You don't want to just give away the prize. Exactly. Like they got to earn it. And, and you don't want to freak them out too fast. So it's like we keep this uh, to the side. First, we'll just tell you, you know, we'll get you down the Romans road. And then when you're ready, you, when you're fully initiated, you can. we'll tell you more about this. Which is so... Very strange. It, it, it's, it doesn't feel like um, something that a, a legitimate uh, organization of just sharing love and good news would, would do. Yeah. It feels culty. Um, so the rapture messed us up for, for a good while there. When I first realized that the rapture wasn't real, I felt like the, a huge weight off of me. Now, what did that do for everything else about your faith, though? So, the, like Believing in the rapture? Yeah, so like... And not even believing in the rapture, but like tearing down the idea of the rapture. Oh, man. So the rapture, and we'll get into this in a second when we get further in in my story, but the rapture was not even the first thing that I deconstructed. It was something I deconstructed after some other things. And by that point, I was just excited. By that point, I was in the process. You were ready to let go. I was ready to let everything go. So so that wasn't a difficult thing for me. But but yeah, the rapture was an easy thing to let go for me. I was was happy to let it go. But man, as a kid, it did mess me up for a while. Sure. And listen... (laughs) YouTube audience, podcast audience, if you hear strange woofing like that in the background of any of these sentences, I have a dog, and he hates when we record. Um, to get some like points, here's a picture of the dog that's being loud. <laughs> so, yes. that explains the random barking every once in a while. We tried to go around it. So, please hold. The rapture's so weird that it was actually something I was made fun of a lot. Sure. By, by other kids who weren't Christians. Um, and because so, they would hear, maybe I've mentioned one thing about it here or there or want to tell them, like, want to warn them, you right. know, about it. And and I would get made, a, made fun of pretty relentlessly for believing in such a weird belief. Um, I remember in 2007, my pastor did a sermon uh, as we were getting into the new year mm. called Eight Reasons Why the Rapture Might Happen in 2008. And I Which was is so anti the Bible, oh, even know. for people that believe in the rapture, because it's all like, you know, no man will know the day or time mm-hmm. of the Lord. So it's like, why are you trying to guess? Well, well, this is this is what I think is so key to why Christians nowadays are so into conspiracy theory and so in so obsessed with right leaning politics is because the rapture prepped them into this lifestyle of consuming all of this conspiracy, all this news, and assuming that there's a prophetic meaning to all of it. Right, and then so, constantly moving the goalposts as well. Exactly. So there's a spiritual meaning to everything in the news, whether the Russian president did this or something's going on in 
in Israel or just something local in politics. It doesn't right. matter. Everything has a prophetic meaning. Everything must be a sign of something. And so we would consume that and be obsessed with it. And I remember friends of mine being so weirded out by this idea, and I'm trying desperately to convince them because I'm convinced that if I can't convince them of what I believe, then they will go to hell. Right. And so I am like fervently, I mean, when I tell you I was obsessed with getting my friends saved, I mean obsessed. Mm-hmm. I remember trying to convince them when I was older to go to youth events that I was a part of and different ministries in the area right. that I was a part of uh, and more directed at, at older teenagers. And I, I would... I'm amazed that some of my friends stayed friends with me. Sure. Because it was a full-blown, like, obsession. I was constantly worried about it. And, um, you know, once I began to realize that so much of what I was doing was just perpetuating fear, mm-hmm. and I could just let go of that and, and, that, and trust that they'll be okay. Right. It was very freeing. So how was it? So you were raised in church, you know. I, as someone who wasn't raised in church, whenever I went to Bible college, I was still learning a lot of new things and new ways to think, you yeah. know, disagreeing with some things, but, you know, being able to push past that. Now, where we went, I would imagine, lined up pretty uh, pretty hand in hand with what you were raised with growing up. Oh, yeah. So totally. was there much personal growth for you during Bible college? and Or what did that look like for you, like going through Bible college and... Mm-hmm. That whole season. Oh, I was, yeah, I, I learned a lot from Bible college and, and I, I definitely was more created into the fundamentalist like model. Sure. You know, um, out of that Bible college, I was of the mind that like, there's no such thing as a Democrat Christian. You have to be Republican, you know, to be a Christian. Right. And I was, um, I was convinced of, you know, our, our methods of evangelicalism. I was definitely convinced of like an eternal conscious torment version of hell. Sure. Um, so, so it, it definitely solidified. Kind of doubled down. Oh yeah. It solidified a lot of things, but there were a couple of things that even back then I started to change my mind on or to question mm-hmm. um one of the first things one of the earliest things that i began to question was um creationism sure um so i was once i got out of bible college i was uh, a youth pastor and neil degrasse tyson show cosmos I love was, it was airing yeah it's such a good show i've watched both of them several times yeah so neil degrasse tyson does this show cosmos and and it was my first time as as in my entire life um, learning about evolution. Because again, as a kid in school, I wouldn't pay attention to those parts because I had all the answers. Right. But now because Neil deGrasse Tyson and it just looked like an interesting show, and, sorry, now because of Neil deGrasse Tyson, it just looked like a good show. I just sat down and without realizing that they were going to get into that, uh, I learned about evolution. And yeah. I have this uh-oh moment of like, oh <laughs> no, that makes sense. I don't like this. What do I do about that? I thought I had all the answers, but this guy on TV, this science man, he makes a lot of sense. Right. Um, and like I said, we were not really equipped to handle those kind of things. Um, so creationism, you know, I started to rethink that. Well, maybe, you know, there's room for, for science. Sure. You know, maybe, maybe this isn't meant to be followed literally. And then I, I, I remember there was a lot of drama going around, um, a little bit after that because, uh, Barack Obama, right. Yep. Uh, legalized gay marriage. Well, the Supreme court legalized it, but you know, right, right, right. Yep. Um, and so, that was a huge discussion. And I remember right then and then I remember right then thinking, you know, maybe we should rethink this even being that big of a deal because sure. I have wonderful gay friends and that are, are amazing people. And sure. I started to think maybe we're just wrong about those verses. And, and then, 
Um, the same thing happened with hell and with the devil and one thing after the other. And then right. finally the rapture. And basically every time I just would have this m- moment of thinking, are we sure that we're reading this right? Right. I was told that the Bible... Sh- uh, it, I was told that the Bible backs up a, a eternal conscious torment version of hell. Right. I was told that the Bible shows us that you have to be Republican. I was told that it shows us that, you know, the end of the world is, is coming in any second and that we're going to get raptured, you know, and that homosexuality is a sin, whatever it might right. be. But are we sure we're reading this right? Is it possible? Is it even remotely possible that maybe there's another way to look at this, that maybe we've been reading it incorrectly? And basically, I didn't see it as me doubting the Bible. I was just doubting our own understanding of it, that maybe some people along the way have just gotten a few things just wrong. Just things, yeah. And uh, so I became, again, committed to figuring out what the Bible actually says rather than just what I was told it says. Now, you are a youth pastor for a lot of this. And this yes. is something that, you know, I didn't experience because I've never been in full-time ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, I volunteer a lot at my church. It's something that I've done for years. I've always yeah. been a part of volunteering. But it's very different whenever you're in full-time ministry and you start to do this deconstruction. Yes. Especially whenever you are on staff Mm -hmm. at a fundamentalist church. Yes. So how was that experience for you? Was that something that you kept pretty much private? Like we only talked about this like within our four walls or (laughs) were they conversations that you were having with your lead pastor or other people on staff at the time? No, no. I can honestly say that I wish um, that we were having conversations with my pastor about these questions, but um, it just wasn't the, the vibe of that, of that church. Um, So I was dealing with a lot of this totally alone. Um, Of course, my wife was involved. Uh, She she knew about some of the stuff, but even some of that, she had her own deconstruction journey separate from mine. Uh, We all, we, we both had to figure out what we believe separately. And I wasn't, I wasn't going to push my changes on her. Sure. Absolutely. I gave her the space to have her own deconstruction. Right. So, um, so a lot of that I had, I had to go through on my own, on my own for a while. Um, So, you know, if my pastors or the people at my church, my youth group, the youth parents, yep. if they knew that I was questioning the rapture, if they knew that I was dabbling in liberalism yeah. instead of You could lose your job. Yeah, it would be gone. I mean, it, especially if they knew that I was beginning to rethink, you know, issues about homosexuality. Like, right. it would be over. I would have been having to pack my bags right then and there. So, no, I kept that a lot to myself. And just kept preaching the same easy, cheesy American Christianity message sure. to my youth kids. You know, the same kind of easy stuff that we've all heard. Right. And I, I slowly began to just get fed up with it. And right. knew that I had to step away because it didn't feel authentic to, to me anymore. Now, growing up a little bit. So we're going to move out of like the childhood, middle yeah. school, high school days. Yeah, yeah, But we mentioned, you know, conspiracy theories and a big thing in conspiracy theories and Christianity is QAnon. Yes. Did yes. you ever find yourself leaning towards like these guys mm-hmm. know what's up? Dude, I'm really glad you asked because that's actually a huge part of my story. Mm-hmm. And it, it's an, it's the most embarrassing part. But um, yeah, when I was, um, so I began deconstructing um, some of my beliefs really around, I think, 2014. Gotcha. Okay. Because in 2014, I became a youth pastor. Right. And um it didn't take long for me to realize how some of our evangelical style, some of our evangelical practices uh, don't help anybody. Sure. Um, it wasn't even so much about the theology. It was more so about like the practical the, application. The practical, yeah. How we weren't really making any progress in our city. Nobody was really getting, you know, help. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what we were doing was just kind of 
making us feel good with our numbers. I remember I went on a missions trip to the Philippines and I, I had that same sense of like, we think that what just like Americanizing a third world nation is, is somehow helping them and preaching the gospel. And right. so I began to get really disenfranchised or really like upset with the ways that the evangelical church promotes the gospel and helps people. And sure. And so I started having questions. And one of the things that I tried to set myself on when I first started asking questions about the Bible was I want to figure out what this says for myself. Yeah, absolutely. I want to know for myself what this really says because I, I don't know if, if what I'm believing right now, take a random thought, the, the devil, sure. how he, the, the whole story of the devil. If I take that thought of, of his story, of, of my memory of what his story is, did I get that from a pastor or is that actually in the Bible? Is it something that you researched and you found out exactly. for yourself? Is that yep. just something that I saw in a cartoon? Is that something I saw from my parents or did I find it in the Bible for myself? Right. So I would start to trace every thought back, every belief that I could think of, you know, which is why I know I'm getting off track, but it's why it bothers me. When people say that deconstructing Christians are just trying to get away from the Bible. Yeah. Complete opposite. I was diving further into the Bible than ever because I was trying to trace back every single belief I had in Christianity yeah. to figure out where it actually stemmed from. Right. And what I realized is that a lot of what we believe as evangelical Christians um, has a lot less Bible holding it up than we think it does. Yeah. And so you, you go through this period of not deconstructing your faith mm -hmm. in God and Jesus. You're deconstructing your beliefs that were given to you. Exactly. But so so I'm I'm in that mode and, and I began to get fervently set on like I'm going to figure out what I believe and why. Right. And if it's not like what I was raised in, then so be it. But I'm going to get into this myself. The problem with that for me was that it eventually devolved into this idea that I had to find the right answer for everything. Basically, there was no room for ambiguity. Right. I had to find the correct answer. So really, I was just as much a fundamentalist, but I was just on the other side of the, the, sure. of the, of the teams. Yeah. I was on the other team. I was just as much con like convinced of like, I have to have the right answers, though. I just right. changed banners. So I start getting into this and figuring out my politics. And as I'm moving away from my parents' beliefs, I ended up still on the closer to them, but basically I, I became a libertarian for a while. Oh yeah, baby. Or at least what I thought was libertarian. Sure. Uh, let's be honest. I saw some Ron Paul debates. <laughs> I thought he sounded cool. And then I started calling myself a libertarian. I wasn't a real libertarian. Sure. I didn't know what that meant. Sure. But and I'm definitely not that now. I'm Here's a quick side note on that. We can take this out if you want to. I thought okay. it was really funny. So I was at this outreach this past weekend uh -huh. and I was talking to a friend of mine and I made some sort of statement. I don't remember what it was at all, mm -hmm. but he goes, easy now you're starting to sound like a republican and i'm gonna really start liking you <laughs> and i was like that's the beauty of being a libertarian is i can sound like both of them and you can't say that i'm contradicting myself <laughs> nice. uh that's hilarious but so i started trying to figure out what i wanted to believe and so i got into politics i i got more right leaning i actually went sure. further down the right leaning path and that got right into um the trump election okay yep. and i was in this prime spot where i was i was in college I didn't have any solid Christian influences uh, who would have kept me from going too crazy. Right. And I was set, like, like con convinced that I was on a quest to find all the right answers. And so when conspiracy theories started coming across, you know, my newsfeed or, or what I would see on Reddit. Right. I was in this mode of like, I need to find the right answers. And so I just dove right into them. Mm -hmm. And I, I was taken just hook, line and sinker by some of the most outrageous conspiracy theories. So this was around 2015, 2016. Yeah. And so Pizzagate is a very, uh, yeah. Yeah. 
yeah. active one in that time frame, if Absolutely. I remember correctly. So I was, it's so weird how this happened, but I went from, you know, in 2014, when I started deconstructing, thinking I got to get away from bad beliefs that aren't true. I got to find the real truth. I got to get away from things that I was taught that, you know, don't have any credence in reality. Right. And then I end up taking such a wrong turn in my quest to find truth because I was led just a completely wrong direction to now where I'm convinced, okay, I am finding the truth. And it's it's these conspiracy theories. Right. It's QAnon stuff. And I, I just, I fell for it. Now, do you think that, you know, the way that you were raised um, to not question, you know, things that sound like they should be questionable, mm-hmm. like things like the rapture, yeah, not happening. You know, yes. the rapture not happening in two thousand eight. But mm-hmm. these are the reasons why it should. Or yeah. this is the reason why you know the rapture should happen in two thousand and twelve. Mm-hmm. And so you're very much being primed mm-hmm. to look for those signs. Did that really kind of lead to this easier acceptance of things like conspiracy theories, like QAnon and Pizzagate and everything? Like that? Absolutely. So the way that I was raised played a huge part into um, accepting fringe theories because sure. that's basically what my childhood was. I was conditioned as a kid to defend completely outlandish ideas in the face of mockery, in the face of even being bullied. Um, you know, I, I was conditioned to like, I remember failing science tests about evolution or about human development because right. I was so convinced that's not true. You know, creationism, Ken Ham, like I was just convinced of creationism. And so I would flunk evolution tests wow. out of like a protest uh, because I was convinced I had the right answers. You're being persecuted for having to lie. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, now as an adult, even though I'm trying to get away from those things, I was still, like I said, operating as a fundamentalist. Sure. I, I may have been finding different answers, but I still had that same innate idea that like I knew what I was talking about and that I, I had to defend my beliefs and that basically as if I'm being mocked for my beliefs, that's just a sign that I'm believing the right things. Right, right, right. So right. the more outlandish, the more weird my theories or ideas are probably the more right they are sure because the the backlash is just a sign that i'm on the right track that's just the devil trying to stop me right so so absolutely it played a part i i I also think that christians are taught to doubt expert opinion Mm -hmm. um, because again if we believe in experts then then we have to accept you know that the earth is a lot older than six thousand years old right and experts are bought off Exactly. So we're we're taught to doubt any science, any expert opinion, and all that does is prep us to accept conspiracy theories. And that's what happened to me. Um, and and it's embarrassing. It really is. But like I was there when QAnon started. Um, you know, it, it, it's in the little the throes of 4chan and Reddit. Yeah, as QAnon and Reddit. was being birthed. Mm-hmm. So there was a subreddit um, for for these for the development of Pizzagate, which would later become QAnon. And even during that, during the Trump election cycle, there would be these Reddit threads that would lead to like private conversations like on, on Skype chat rooms or things like that. This was yep. before Zoom. And they would basically brainstorm fake news to come up with, you know, and, and ideas of what they could push and what they could go to Twitter with. So they would say something like, oh, well, you know, Hillary coughed on this video. Let's push Hillary's health. Hashtag Hillary's health. That's what we're going with. And they'd all break and get to Twitter and start flooding tw- Twitter with it. And by the, and once Twitter is overflowing with, you know, hashtag Hillary's health or whatever it might have been, yeah. and it's trending, well, now mainstream media has to talk about it. Right. So now we're setting the tone of the media. I mean, that was that was the idea. We were 
cre- I, I wasn't really a part in creating any of it. I was just kind of observing. Sure. I've always I've always been a lurker on Reddit. Yeah. So I wasn't really a part in creating it, but I was just there watching it happen. And I saw the creation of QAnon from from its earliest uh, from its very first drops. You know, uh, on 4chan mm-hmm. of people trying to piece it together and and some of the drama that ensued from that. And so the sad thing is that I even told my family about it. And I since went on to completely walk away from right. that and go the entire opposite direction. But a lot of my family is still in that. And so I feel like I'm responsible for uh, some of the, the misinformation that they've now sure. bought into. Which is so interesting because it's like the same person that said, hey, you guys need to check this out. Mm-hmm. Now come back and saying, hey. I, that was bad. No, no, Don't no, 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 listen no. to this. There's nothing credible about it, but it's too late now. Right. The, the thing that broke me out of it was... Um, I had this moment of realization one day when, because of the Pizzagate conspiracy, which if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, I don't think we have time to get into the whole details. Of Just look it up. Was. Yeah. There's plenty of information on it. Look it up carefully. <laughs> yeah, carefully. Make sure uh, your safe search is turned on. Yeah. But um, basically, that the whole Pizzagate thing was was it, it was getting way out of hand. And yeah. it all linked up to this pizza restaurant in Washington, D.C. Correct. And I turned on the news one day and hear that someone who believed in QAnon and Pizzagate so so fervently, so, so deeply, went into that restaurant with a loaded gun and was convinced that there were children locked up in the basement that he was going to rescue. Now, once he got in there, he found out that not only were there no children, there wasn't even a basement in that building. Right. And luckily, no one got hurt. But the fact that uh, that someone could have gotten hurt there, it, it I had to stop. I, I heard about it on the radio while I was driving um, to college, and I, I had to pull over and stop for a minute because I had this horrible fear come over me, realizing I may have been playing a part sure. in something that could have killed people. Sure, I may have been, from the things that I shared on Facebook, from the things that I liked, from the things that I commented, I could have played a part in perpetuating a horrible myth that literally could have led to someone dying. Right. And now, it actually, from that story, no one died. But other times, there have been QAnon casualties. Sure, yeah, absolutely. People have died because of this. Yeah. And so I had this I, this moment right there in my car driving to school where I realized the stuff that I'm listening to is dangerous and, and misinformation can kill. Yeah. And I realized I started a couple of years ago trying to rethink the bad beliefs from my childhood I need to rethink my beliefs now. Yeah, you know, absolutely. like I'm, I'm still just in mu- as much a need of real truth. And so I prayed and I said, God, I don't know how, but I've completely gone away from what truth actually is. And yeah. I need, I need to have a real, I need to have a complete uh, realization once again of what truth actually looks like. Yeah. I've been taken for a fool now twice in my life. Right. Um, and so from that point on, I was more careful about what I listened to and more careful about what I shared. And I became avid about um, knowing your sources. Yeah. I became annoying about knowing your sources. Yeah. You know, scrolling to the end of the article, figuring out exactly what companies are involved. Right, right, I mean, right. I wanted to know who was, where this information was coming from. And I switched what I was listening to. Instead of conspiracy podcasts that, you know, and, and crazy things like that, I started listening to NPR. Sure. You know, I started listening to more sane conversations and, and it didn't, it really helped. Now, a lot of people um, that are in full-time ministry that go through deconstruction, I feel like completely leave the faith. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I don't have stats to back this because I didn't do a poll. You know, That's I'm just fine. going based off of, you know, the things that I hear and mm-hmm. I see and I read. But yeah. I feel like 
people that are in full-time ministry that deconstruct are more likely to just leave the faith. Yes, it seems that way. So what kept you from just completely abandoning the faith, you know, during this deconstruction phase? Well, um, a number of things, honestly. Um, For one, my wife has always been a voice of reason for me. Uh, Whenever I was so angry with whatever issue in the church I was deconstructing at that time, whether it was that I was ticked off because I was now doubting hell and I was mad that I was ever taught it right? or maybe the rapture, whatever it might've been. Um, she was all, honestly always a consistent voice to kind of calm me down and like not burn down my entire right, faith, right, right, you know? right, right. Um, also, um, I think that, you know, we moved here to Knoxville at a perfect time. Mm-hmm. Um, some people who don't know my story as well as I think they do, or who don't even know me as well as I think they do, think that I began all this deconstruction after I moved to Knoxville. Gotcha, right. That I moved to Knoxville and then everything changed. If you really knew me though, you would know that I had been do- doing these questions. I've been secretly or not so secretly grappling with these things for years. Right. So it wasn't that it happened when I moved to Knoxville, but what did happen when I moved to Knoxville is that our pastor um, had an environment where where it was okay to, to have questions like right. these and where it was okay to have theological discussions. And not just cultivated the environment to have the questions, but also had resources yes. to point us to exactly. to help answer some of them. And so, you know, I I had a dark time where I was being led by terrible online voices that were not trustworthy. Right. And that dark season of my life almost led me down to being, a, I think, a terrible person. Sure. Um, and so when I moved here, I, I, that all changed. And I finally was connected with reasonable, uh, educated voices. Like myself. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's no, no, you've been a huge help. You, you, honestly, um, friendships like yours and then also others like Dougie, um, you know, you guys have helped me a lot. Because um, it's great to have pl- people to bounce ideas off of right. and to grow theologically. Um, so what kept me from, from losing my faith entirely? Honestly, I found Jesus in community and in friendships and in sure. fellowship with people. You know, when I was a, when I was a kid, you believed in Jesus because you could prove it mathematically or scientifically, right. or at least we thought, right. We believed in creation because we knew to doubt the fossil record. Right. We believed in, in, you know, Adam and Eve because we could find archeological this and that, you know, we had this scientific proof. The faith, the faith was less built on the love of God and more of the denial of science. Exactly. We could prove, I believe in God because I can prove it. We believed in God because we knew science better than scientists did. We sure. knew archaeology better than any historian did. We knew the truth. Like, we could say, oh, well, did you know they found, you know, relics from when they crossed the Red Sea down at the bottom of the, of the ocean? And, right. You know, did you know that we found Noah's Ark or parts of it? And I mean, that was what our faith was was standing on, yep. was the, this apologetics assurance of this is how we know we, we there's a God, we can prove it. And once I realized that all of that was a sham, that all that archaeological stuff was completely pseudoscientific. It wasn't real. That that the science behind it was was faulty. Once I realized that none of that was true, yeah, it could leave you thinking, well, now what? Now what do I believe in? But right, what I realized yeah. is that faith in God was never meant to stand on on science in the first place. Right, and that um, what 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 kept me a Christian was that I found Jesus in family and community and friendships. Sure. I may not be able to find him in like looking for Noah's Ark anymore, 
But I found Jesus in those relationships where I felt the love of God because I realized that God is goodness and love itself. And when you encounter that love, that's him. Right. And, and that, that beauty of, of Christ through relationships and through love and community that, that, that kept me saved. And I'm, it, I'm sure it became less of trying to find Noah's Ark to prove God. Yeah. And more of finding Jesus in Noah's Ark. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, honestly, it, it also, at that same time, I was pulling away from the hijacking of Christianity that's been done by the Christian right. Right. Where I realized how Christianity became nothing more than a tool for political gain. Sure. And once I realized that my involvement in the church was being used for politics and I, I could get away from that, um, I was able to embrace what Christianity is really meant for, right. which is to bring heaven to earth through love and through self-sacrifice and through doing good for people that in doing that in goodness and in acts of goodness on this earth, we can bring heaven to earth. And it wasn't just about political gain and power. So through your deconstruction, so for me, I touch on this in last week's episode about what has kind of kept me centered and yeah. like, you know, my essentially the two pillars of mm-hmm. my life and how I view God and how I view everything going on around me. But to you, what is kind of that like guiding light through deconstruction, through living life, you know, mm-hmm. moving away from this is my set of fundamentalist rules. Like the yeah. Bible is the basic instruction before leaving earth. Like yeah, yeah, this yeah. is how I have to read it. This is how I have to live my life. Mm-hmm. What has kind of been that like guiding light for how you approach people mm-hmm. and how you approach the church and how you approach your politics, different yeah. things like that. Like what is that new like standard? Man, there's, I feel like there's several that I could point to honestly, but one of them is to embrace mystery. Mm-hmm. In, instead of thinking you have to have empirical evidence and facts all lined up for every argument, embrace the mystery of Christianity and also embrace the ambiguity that I'm not an expert and I don't know everything. Sure. Because when you do that, you're accepting that your life, your beliefs, your faith is all fluid and it can change and it can grow. You allow yourself to have a faith that can evolve instead of holding so rigidly onto a certain set of core beliefs that, right. that you never change from. Um, so what you do is you learn how to uh, take in new information and it not feel like a bad thing or like it's the enemy or like I have to defend against it Yeah, because you, you're okay with your faith evolving. Um, so, so that's been a big one for me is embracing ambiguity, embracing mystery, admitting that I don't have all the answers. Sure. You know, because whether it was when I was a fundamentalist or when I was a hardcore conspiracy theorist nut for a couple of years there, both times I thought that I had all the answers. Right. And both times I had this crushing realization that I was being taken as a fool. I was completely sucked into something that was untrue. Yeah. And so now I'm committed to saying, you know what? I, I'm not an expert and I'm not going to pretend that I have every single answer. Sure. I am learning and I'm growing and that's okay. And I found reliable sources this time and I found good voices that you can trust. And and I'm learning about the pain that the old belief systems that I've carried have, have caused. Sure. Not only for me, but for others. And I'm trying to now find a faith that is nurturing and that that you can grow from rather than just feel like you're playing defense all the time right so so for me it, it's just about um never basically never think that you're an expert never think you're done learning yeah sure absolutely you know it, it's interesting the drama that my deconstruction has caused it, it, it's it's wild what, yeah you know what kind of wars it sets off when you just start thinking for yourself and start questioning certain things. Right. Now, is this something that you talk, I mean, obviously we have a podcast (laughs) on this topic and, you know, our lives and our beliefs now, 
but is it still awkward for you to talk about it with certain people, whether that be mm-hmm. friends, family, yeah. you know, just people that you grew up with in general? Yes. So, you know, the interesting thing to me is that um, there's certain issues that nobody got upset with me about. Sure. And then there's certain issues that everyone wanted to kill me over. Sure. Okay. And so you learn real quick what's okay and what's not okay. You learn what you can ask and what's strictly off limits. When you start to question evangelical Christianity, um, you know, for me, it was a lot, a lot of it had to do with questioning the culture wars. Sure. Uh, and, and, and our place in co- these culture wars and in, and, you know, taking America back for God, the political side of it yeah. was, was questioned later in the game. But um, people will die for those culture sure. wars. I mean, people will be just in your face over them. And so when you start to, you know, show that you're not just another soldier for those wars anymore, I mean, people will be very upset. Yeah. Um, for me, you know, what was so eye-opening was the fact that for years I was on Facebook posting stuff about my changing beliefs. Yep. And for the most part, nobody cared for most issues. Sure. If people found out that I didn't believe in the rapture anymore, once I wasn't a youth pastor, if they found out when I was a youth pastor, I would have been fired. Yeah. But once I wasn't a youth pastor anymore, when people found out that I didn't believe in the rapture, nobody said anything. Mm-hmm. When I found out that I didn't, when they found out that I was questioning, you know, uh, hell, Nobody sure. said anything. If they thought that I was questioning the Bible, or I mean, uh, the devil, nobody said anything. But the thing that set people off was when I started saying things against Donald Trump. So interesting. So I, when I started to post things critiquing Donald Trump and critiquing Republicanism in general, right, or just you know, just sharing some sort of article about I don't know something Elizabeth Warren said, sure. You know, just something so innate, or innate, that's not the right word for it, just something so innocuous. Yeah. Um, if I posted a simple article, something Andrew Yang said, I don't know, that would be the thing that set people off because they didn't really mind so much if I changed my beliefs on the rapture or on hell. Those things I could at least tolerate. Because those are your personal beliefs. Right. But once I started questioning... Republican and Christianity being married. Once I started questioning, uh, you know, America being God's chosen nation and and the the prophetic lingo we have around basically worshiping the United States. Right. When I started questioning that, that's when all hell broke loose. Hmm. That's when people had had enough because now I was going after the true heart of their beliefs. Yeah. The true focal point of their religion. And they couldn't stand that. And that's when I realized this is all just a, a, a game to prop up the religious right. Sure. Christianity has been completely hijacked in America uh, to just pr- prop up a certain political party. Yeah. And even if you, you know, it's not to say, oh, well, I'm just a liberal, so I don't like that. It's not just about being liberal. It's about the fact that you shouldn't like your religion being in bed with politics. Right. You yeah, shouldn't absolutely. like your religion uh, forsaking the holy calling that we're called to right. because we'd rather have political power. Right. Left, right, or center. Exactly. I don't care where you and politically, that should be a problem. Right. Um, so I, I realized this is a big deal. Nothing else brought out the crowds like that. You know, I had people on Facebook who I hadn't talked to in years back in Bible college suddenly sending me private messages saying, you know, I've just noticed what you've been posting lately and I'm just concerned for your faith. Are you okay? You know, let, let's talk. I had 
I had old pastors that I knew. Sure. I had uh, other ministry people that I had done ministry with before in the past, um, friends that went on to make their own ministries, whatever, sending me messages. And I'm telling you, this happened several times. I find it interesting that they questioned your faith of all things. I know. Like, not even necessarily your beliefs yeah. about. And, like, and so I, I'm not the I, I, I defer like I find there's a difference between faith and beliefs. Yes. And I feel like that's an important difference to make, especially when talking about deconstruction. Yeah. Yeah. Because I deconstructed a lot of my beliefs about Christianity, but I never once de- deconstructed my faith in Jesus. Yes. And so whenever we say, you know, I'm just worried about your faith mm-hmm. and they're conflating your faith with your politics. Oh, I was. It's, that's super, super interesting to me. It's, it was. It exposed what is the center of their faith. Right. They say it's a cross, but in reality, it's a flag. It's the American flag. And when you start to break away from Christian right, they take that as a sign that you're breaking you're leaving away from Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. So, and the crazy thing was, like I said earlier, I went through a season, an embarrassing season, of being a QAnon crazy person and they were fine and with that. nobody sent me a message then nobody sent me a message saying hey you posted this pretty strange thing are you doing okay how are you th- you know wh- what are you thinking about you know right are you okay no one said anything then but once i went against trump that that was it that was the sign that they needed and um that forever cemented in me that i am not going to let my faith be a tool for any political side. Yeah, absolutely. And it's honestly why I hold back from embracing the term progressive Christian. Sure. Just because of the political connotation. And even though I am actually more liberal, and so it wouldn't be that far of a stretch for me, I just don't like the idea of my faith being tied to a certain political side. Right. Because I've been there, I've been there, I've done that, and I'm not doing it again. Right. Joey, if you could go back, okay, and I'm this is a very strict rule. Okay, very strict. Okay. And I'm going to hold you to this. Okay. okay. You have one sentence to say to, let's say, turning point, real turning point in mm-hmm. you know the male life. Okay. You have one sentence to say mm-hmm. to 14-year-old Joey. Okay. What do you tell him? I one f- sentence. Okay, uh, well, th- th- there's a number of different things I could say, but I think the best one to capture it all would be, you are reading that wrong. It would be, that Bible you're holding, you don't know how to read it. Find someone who does, <laughs> who you can trust, because you are reading that wrong. Because most of all of the beliefs that I held on to were based off of a shoddy misunderstanding of a few verses right and a total rejection of historic christian thought on it you know it's amazing how fundamentalist christianity in america um you know tries to fight secularism sure but they don't realize they're actually embracing secularism in their fight correct because they are rejecting historic christianity right and embracing newer ideas like i said fundamentalism is a lot newer than what i currently believe right so um they actually and they hold on to this empirical data sort of driven mindset which again is very secular right so you know, a lot of what I believed on, or what a lot of what I believed in, had no real basis in Christian history sure. or in sound theology. So I would tell myself, "You're reading this wrong." A lot of what I believed was based off a dispensationalist model. Mm-hmm. You know, which is just laughable to me now. Yeah, kind of an inaccurate way to view God. Exactly. What we need to do as Christians, who you know, if if you're deconstructing what you were taught about 
about the Bible and about faith about Jesus. Don't throw the Bible out. Right. Reanalyze what you were told about it and how you're reading it. Yeah. Because I guarantee you, you'll find like I did, that there is a lot more to say on certain matters yeah. than just the typical fundamentalist answer. A whole lot of nuance to yes. a lot of the things in the Bible. It's so nuanced, and, and, and it really is showing us man's journey of discovering who God is. And when you approach the Bible that way, you are you are on that same journey right. of finding out who God is. And if you get away from the ways of reading the Bible that you're used to and, and start to ask yourself once again, am I, am I reading this right? You can open yourself up to theology, theological thoughts that, um, you know, maybe you hadn't considered before. Right. You know, I was able to get away from very destructive theology that, that I'm, I'm better off without. Yeah, sure. Now, quick lightning round. Soundbite answers. Okay. Okay. What's one? Th- what's one thing that you'd have changed about your deconstruction? I would have changed the way that I talk to loved ones about it. Okay. Um, what is the thing that you are most glad that you have deconstructed away from? Um, probably eternal conscious torment hell. What's one thing that you feel like you could probably take back a little bit more? Oh, uh, probably. Uh, some of the more miraculous things because mm-hmm. my deconstruction has led me to want to make sure I have all the right answers. And I became pretty jaded about, um, flaky prophetic things. Sure. Uh, but maybe that went a little too far to where now I'm, I'm too turned off by it's kind it. of more cynical than yeah, like maybe, deconstructed. maybe I've gone a little too cynical in that area. So, so that's one thing I'm trying to tweak back. Um, can I borrow $5? No, I figured I'd ask. <laughs> um, let's see here. Do you still find the church to be an essential part of the Christian life after deconstruction? Oh, absolutely. Yes, I do. And, and But but my, my idea of what the church is has grown beyond just going to a service, and I realize that's more so about the communities and relationships that we build and sitting at a table together and having conversations like this, right. that this is what the church is supposed to be doing. And, and then also our responsibility in the world of doing good for people. Right. Um, so yes, that is, is crucial. Favorite book of the Bible pre-deconstruction? Um, Peter. Favorite, favorite book of the Bible post deconstruction. Still for Speeder. All right, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that hasn't changed. Um, still for Speeder. I don't. I don't know, man. I, I just really like Peter. Uh, you know what? What James? Oh, though, James has some points. James does have some points. He, he's got some good points, man. So now, Joey, we are coming to a close on today's episode. Yep. All things Joey. So, I guess my final question would be. As someone who started this process of deconstruction back in 2014, so you're coming up on almost a decade. Almost, yeah. Of, you know, letting go of beliefs and, you know, redefining your beliefs and looking at things a different way and reconsidering things. Yeah. And like one of our incredible commenters said, Chris, your faith has become fluid like a lava lamp. Yes, I love Chris. Like the lamp. (laughs) There's Joey's faith. Just floating about, just coming and going. Um, As someone who's been doing this for quite some time, privately and then publicly, what would your do's and don'ts of deconstruction be? I love that. Uh, So the do's and don'ts of deconstruction. Um, I would say, first of all, um, do make sure that you are doing this 
um, with sound theological backing. Um, deconstruction, just like Christian faith in general, sure. is not something that you should do alone. It's something meant to be shared, and you need to do it um, with the right um, guide points, I guess. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier that a huge mistake I made when I began deconstructing is that I wound up believing insane things right. and conspiracy theories because I didn't have any strong uh, guiding points of where I was going. Sure. I knew that I didn't like what I believed in as a kid. I knew that I had reasons to doubt them and to throw them out, but I didn't know what I was replacing them with. Right. And without any sort of guidance of what I'm replacing them with, I ended up embracing completely fringe and dangerous ideas that I then had to deconstruct again. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so I would say um, if you're looking for good guides, there's – for one, you should really become more well um, acquainted with the church fathers. Yeah. Um, some of the earliest church fathers, you know, get into that theology, you know, from everything from, even if they disagree, you know, like sure. St. Saint, uh, Saint Augustine, pick up his book, Confessions uh, of St. Augustine. Um, St. Augustine, Augustine, Augustine. Ugh, can never get it right. Let me leave back. us alone, Dougie. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna say it how we say it. Uh, or all, and also like St. Gregory of Nyssa. Yeah. You know, uh, St. Francis. Read these these people, and and you know that is a much richer place to stand on than some of the Lifeway bookstore evangelical books sure. that, that sell a million copies. And there are also some modern guys too, people like Brian Zond, uh, Pete Enns. David Bentley Hart. David Bentley Hart for sure. N.T. Wright. Get get some good, solid guiding uh, voices yeah. so that you don't end up in terrible ideas. Um, also, a don't is, for deconstruction, is don't force your deconstruction on other Christians. Mm, that's so that's if, so important. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. So if you came out of fundamentalist evangelical Christianity, then you probably were raised to try to force your beliefs on other people. Right. Like I said, as a kid, it became an obsession for me of this idea that I have to save other people. I need to get them to believe like me. Right. And as an adult now, you don't want to be doing that same thing just from the deconstruction side. Right. So if you have loved ones who are Christian and they're just not where you're at. Maybe they even think you're going to hell because you don't believe it anymore, so that means you're going there. Right. Whatever it might be, let them have their own faith. You know, don't sure. try to force. Now, if, if they are open to talking about it, then, of course, talk about it. Yeah. What I always do is I start them on the same questions I had. You know, Are you sure that the Bible really says that? Are you sure that you're reading that right? Because right. this church father over here wrote that it meant this. Yeah, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And, you know, you know, that's how I started, but don't force it on other people. And then finally, I would say when you're in this process, don't be hurt or, or at least try not to let yourself be too badly hurt by people who won't understand you. Sure. Because they won't. You know, we didn't even get into the details of the theology. Right. Because frankly, that's what the whole show was for more than just this episode. But if we were to get into the details of the theology things that I changed on, like hell or like the devil or like how to read the Bible, sure. literalism, Bible literalism, biblicism, if you get into those details with a fundamentalist, it's going to go, they're not really going to, it's not going to help them. Right. It's kind of like talking to a conspiracy theorist with facts and science, talking to an anti-vaxxer about the science of vaccine. It's not going to help. Right. And talking with someone who is a fundamentalist and is convinced that because you're deconstructing, you're losing your faith and going to hell, talking to them and trying to convince them with theological words and with your research, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. Yeah. So don't, um, when you get in that situation where you have loved ones who aren't where you are or who even think that you're, like out of your mind right 
just stay strong. Remember why you're doing this. For me, I was doing this because I want to know for myself what the Bible says. Correct. And I yeah. don't want to hold on to any belief that is not actually rooted in, in truth. Right. I was fooled twice and I was not going to let that happen again. And now I'm trying to embrace, you know, a, a continual growing sort of spirit. So hold on to that and don't let people convince you that, that you don't let people hurt you too bad when they don't understand. Yeah. You yeah. know, it, it's not the end of the world if they don't understand what you're doing. Yeah. Choose to not be offended. Yeah. Yeah. As much as you can. And it's not yeah. easy. It, it definitely is not easy. I think that's something that a lot of people miss during this entire process is mm-hmm. this is not an easy process. It's not. These are not easy conversations, especially for someone like Joey, who literally spent his entire life mm-hmm. being taught these things and believing these things. Mm-hmm. And then just the embracing of everything being flipped upside down and dumped out mm-hmm. and having to pick up the good things and leave those other things behind and that have always been a part of you. Yeah. But so willingly being able to be like, that wasn't right. And this is keeping me from having a true faith mm-hmm. in the real God. Yeah. And even make mistakes along the way. I, I yeah. made, I made mistakes along the way and, and I'm still growing, but just know that um, there is value in this. Yeah. And that Christianity when it's not hijacked by politics and when it's not, you know, bogged down with fearful rhetoric and, yeah. and, and end of the world, you know, bullcrap. Nonsense. When it's not bogged down by those things, Christianity is beautiful and there is a, an actual beautiful faith in there to find. You just have to get out the, the problems. You have to dig out right. the issues that weren't supposed to be there and that are clouding it. And you'll find that it is worth digging for. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well... Joey, it has been a joy <laughs> to sit on the side of the uh, interview chairs. Yeah, it's been fun. And uh, I hope everybody enjoyed getting to hear a little bit more about Joey and uh, learning kind of where he comes from and how we have landed here in these chairs in yeah. our sunroom between the All Things Brandon and All Things Joey episodes. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that um, it's important to share stories like ours, and I'm glad that we got to do that. Yeah, I think it's important, too, because it really kind of gives our listeners a framework from where we're coming from. You know, we're not just two jaded guys on the internet. Like, mm-hmm. we love God. We love the church. We love God's people. We're just trying to find a more tr- true way to do faith. And yes. our backgrounds are why we approach them the way that we do. Exactly. And if you're interested in being a part of these conversations, the best way you can do that is by joining our Patreon because that gets you into our Discord. Um, our Discord has been a lot of fun oh, yeah. lately. Um, we've we've got a good number of people in there now who we were able to talk to pretty frequently. And honestly, guys, just jump in and, and meet some people that are yeah. in the same process that you are. Um, that community is, is very crucial in any deconstruction. Yeah, it's been great for me personally as someone you know, that's one of the hosts of this. Just to be able to be there for the people that you know are really engaging with the content that are yeah. trying to figure out where they are in their faith. Yeah, yeah, so. absolutely. So please join. And of course, share this video with a friend and uh, like it. and subscribe. Click and the button. Leave a comment about what you guys want us to talk about next. Yes, we really read those comments. We so, genuinely do. So let us know what you'd like us to talk about. Yeah, and so next week, so we had all things Brennan, all things Joey, where I Joey interviewed me, I interviewed Joey. And next week, we have a very special guest interview, and you'll find that out next week on All Things Reconsidered. We will catch you guys later.